Oh shit! A train grab our tax. Gamora's coming. Why you sad? <laughs> yo, 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 this is Seven Seas. Uh, you're listening to the No On 15 Allcast. And uh, coming at you next in this fourth volume of our fantasy series is a classic film from 1984. And uh, let's get into it. Here we go. The fantasy series ends with Fantasia. Makes Damn. sense. Although I heard that's not what it's called in the book. No. I heard it's, it's called Flushlikluxlikon. <laughs> oh, <that's my> <laughs> Is it a German book? <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's, it's German, German, dude. Oh, I didn't know that. <laughs> <laughs> Did you like my fake German there? <laughs> I liked it. I it didn't good. say a curse word or anything. Well, I don't know. <laughs> Someone's going to have to correct us on that one. <laughs> <laughs> we don't have any fact checkers on Sam yet. <laughs> no fact <laughs> Where, yes, where's the historian I, I, when you need one <laughs> uh, welcome back to the no all 15 all cast everybody uh this is your man uh seven seas and i'm joined by mr special k what up what up and uh oscar the og that's right what's up everybody and I think shortly we'll be joined by Mr. Risk in a few minutes. But uh, tonight we're doing another volume of the fantasy series. And on this episode, we're going to be talking about the never-ending story. Yeah. You like that? Cheating. Uh, that yeah. Ear, what do they call it? Earworm? Or something the earworm, like that? yeah. Something like <laughs> that. Sure. But, um, you know... It's kind of fitting, like the other movies you talked about. Uh, I think it was Conan, uh, The Princess Bride, uh, Hook. Um, but yeah, this is a childhood classic for a lot of people that grew up in the 80s. Um, and it was directed by Wolfgang Peterson. Um, if you guys don't know who that is, uh, he's directed um, Troy, The Perfect Storm, In the Line of Fire, Enemy Mine, uh, Air Force One. So he's gone on to direct a lot of great films. And, uh, you know, one quick little tidbit before we get into this. I didn't know this. I don't know if you guys read this anywhere, but did you guys know that he had uh, Steven Spielberg help him edit the film? Really? Oh, dude, that makes me like this I, uh, even bits more. And pieces. Yeah, I read somewhere that doesn't <clears throat> Steven Spielberg have the um, the necklace the Orin. in his office, the Orin in yes. his office. Yeah. What? Yeah, dude. If I ever go to his office, I'm stealing that shit. Just saying it right now. <laughs> I'm get... stealing the Tyrannosaurus Rex and the Orin. <laughs> Man attempts to steal collectible from Steven Spielberg's office. Details that he loved. <laughs> you see me like, holding the necklace. <laughs> And yelling, I'm not Falcor! letting go. <laughs> oh, that's awesome. Um, good luck will find you. <laughs> a good luck dragon in this bitch, dude. Come on, that's that's For like, real. It's ridiculous, but it's awesome at the same time. Well, we have to say that uh, we are talking about ne the never-ending story, and uh, we will be giving away some spoilers. This movie did come out in 1984, so uh, many, many had, years ago. <laughs> 37 <laughs> years to prepare. 
for these spoilers. damn spoilers. <laughs> Pretty much, yeah. But if you haven't watched this movie, we are going to give away some spoilers. So you've been warned. You have been warned. So on that note, uh, I'm going to share the wheel of names. Wheel of names. Names. Dun, dun, dun. Today, one of these lucky contestants will win right here on Wheel of Names. Okay. Um. <clears throat> so I'm gonna leave Efren on there just in case he shows up for some reason. Oh, I think that's a good. That's a that's a good. That'd call. be hilarious. He pops in. Hey guys, what's up? Like, oh, by the way, you're <laughs> 30 seconds can you see, a winner. Can you, see, can you see the clock? Yeah, 30 seconds. Go. Oh my god. <laughs> All right. Uh, here we go. Oh man, no whammies, no whammies, no whammies, no whammies. Oh my god, Jesus, man, are you serious? We're gonna have to do it sometime where somebody else spins that wheel because you know what's so funny too is that every time I like hosted and like spread like spun the wheel, I never got chosen. There's something about that that your hot seat. Change the mic. Do something different. (laughs) Man, ridiculous. (laughs) <laughs> all right That's so the obviously by my reaction uh the wheel names has landed on me so yeah uh, i'll give my own star clock uh stop clock and uh i don't know somebody just give just give me a three two one go ahead kyle give him the three two one all right you ready ease him into it three two one uh okay then the never-ending story is about a kid named bastion uh who is going through hard times because he's always got his head in the clouds. And his dad reminds him that he's always got his damn head in the clouds. So uh, he likes to read books. Uh, he doesn't like to get bullied, but he gets bullied all the time uh, in a city that looks like it might be New York, but it's not. And he steals a book from a bookstore that he discovers that actually makes everything real in the book happen in the book and also in reality. So uh, it's a crazy story. That's all I got. <laughs> <laughs> All right, it, that was terrible. So, no, no dragon. Yeah, yeah. No, yeah. no warriors. Yeah. Just so what, you is, what you said is it's a story about a kid who gets bullied who reads a book. Got it. <laughs> 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 no, it's hard. Hey, with this three second, it's hard because like I, when I've had to, when I've had the unfortunate uh, circumstance of being the guy, it's like you want to explain the the front half of the story, and nope. then you realize, yeah, nope, I got like. Try to sprint through like the the back seventy five percent of this movie yeah. now. It's impossible. You got to talk in bullet points. Yeah. That's what it comes down that's to. True. You got to leave out details. You just put in the big. You just hey. put in the big milestones, and that's it. So I just put in that he stole the book that makes stuff real <laughs> in the book and also real. <laughs> that's all I, I got. Like, I like how you said like you like uh, he's getting bullied. Nobody likes to be bullied or something. <laughs> Yeah, nobody likes to be bullied. What does that have to do with the synopsis? <laughs> That's what makes oh, it fun, though. That's man, what makes dude. it fun. Oh, uh, all right. Well, well I like perfect. I mean, I think Efren's almost ready. Um, but <laughs> yeah, you know, just really quickly, yeah, it is there is a lot more obviously involved in the plot of the movie. Um, there's a lot of characters in the movie. It's the scale of the movie is actually pretty large. So there's no way I was going to get through, you know, Falcor or, you know, the gnomes or, you know, the oracles or Gamork or, you know, his the paintings the guy, on the wall. 
<laughs> it's just so much shit in the movie that it was like no way I was going to describe it in 30 seconds. It's just there's so much. Um <clears throat> but really quickly uh would you guys before we usually do this at the end but yeah. I want to ask you now would you recommend this movie? I'm going to say yes. Yes. Okay. Kyle? <sighs> Uh, here's the here's the thing. <laughs> Would I recommend this movie today? Hold on, hold on. Brought to you by Special K Special Minute. There you go. Go. Listen. <laughs> Would I recommend this movie today? I guess. I I gotta say no. I, it pains me, but I gotta say no. And here's why. This movie. When I was a kid, I watched the movie a bunch, and I loved it. I thought it was yeah. great. Now, having not seen the movie in 20-something years to over probably almost 30 years or you know, whatever, I watch it now and I'm like, what did I see in this movie back then? What? Mm-hmm. Why did I like this movie? It is not anything that I remember. It is not nearly as good as I remember. Like, I got to be honest, man, this rewatch kind of killed a fun childhood memory for oh, me. No. I gotta be oh, no. <laughs> I got it's like one of those things where it's like the memory was better than the reality, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I don't know, man. I mean, listen, if you're into fantasy stuff, watch it. If you've, I guess I'll say this. If you've never seen the movie before, give it a watch. Cause a lot of people talk about it. It's one of those like kind of classic nostalgia movies. Give it a watch. If you've seen it before and you remember watching it as a kid and liking it, maybe you just want to keep that memory to yourself and just keep telling yourself it was a good movie. Yeah. Nice. Yo, yo, yo. What up, Mr. Risk? I what's see. up? Hey, what's up? There he is. Whoa, he's coming he's from in, the Matrix. Yeah, he's say. in the green. Oh, wait a minute, he's normalizing. Oh, oh, <laughs> just my eyes adjusting. Sorry. He's in a laboratory on the Avengers campus, maybe. <laughs> <A> laboratory <laughs> on the Avengers campus. <laughs> oh, man. What's going on? None, man. So I just kind of really, I just finished the 30 second challenge for some reason. I got chosen. Your name was on there. So you literally saved yourself by coming in just a couple minutes late. Um, just and I just asked really quickly, you know, we usually do this at the end, but like, would you recommend the never ending story to people nowadays? Uh, after watching it, probably not. <laughs> oh, and here's why I'm like, oh, well, because, I have to watch like, it again. You know, it's, I would say watch it for the history of it and its campiness, but uh, it definitely doesn't um have the magic it did to, as it did when I was a child, you know? Ooh, mm-hmm. Caesar's I'm still holding on to that magic. I told you, fellas. I told you. <laughs> no, 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 no. We're not done yet. You have not ruled me out yet. <laughs> All right. Nor Caesar. <laughs> you know, here we go. This is what I'll say. <laughs> I'm still like watching my kids and stuff like that, you know, because it's okay. I think they might get it, you know, things like that's that. Fair. But that that's one thing I'll say. Like, there is a as I've gotten older and I am a cinephile, so I've seen a ton of movies like I know a lot of you guys have as well. Um, I look back at them and think of how there must be a point in our, I guess, growth as people where we see things differently. So as kids, we don't we we see those things and they are real to us at the time. And that's probably what I connect with more than the actual, you know, effects compared to effects nowadays, obviously. And, you know, what goes what goes into making a story back then compared to what goes into it now, you know, based on what we see nowadays. So I think that that's what I like about that film is 
I just think about how much went into making that film back then compared to now. Oh, yeah, that was, that's another story. Yeah. The technical aspect of it. So, um, you know, it, I, I think that's probably what I still grasp to when I think about that movie. All um, right. Yeah, I, I get that. I get that. And I, <clears throat> I get it. I mean, as far as a technical feat in comparison to today's standards. No. Yeah. I mean, it's got practical makeup, practical effects. Yes. You know, it's, it's very, it's 1984 at the time. It was like really, I think, I, I think I read it was a pretty expensive movie to make, mm-hmm. but um, in comparison to today, yeah, it doesn't, it can't, it's not going to hold the attention of potentially like younger kids. You know, they're going to be like, no, I'm going to watch, you know, how to train a dragon, you know, or something like that. Yeah, like, this is a real dragon. <laughs> yeah. Like I'm bored. But Why the color is so bland. Yeah. yeah. Um, <laughs> but I like Kyle. I, I remember watching this movie quite a bit when I was younger and recalling the movie. Like now, like, no, I didn't remember a lot of it. I remember like, oh, there was like a dragon in it. But I, I remember there was like a, a young boy with a horse. But I couldn't remember. I couldn't remember anything from from the movie. Just from just trying to recall it. After watching it, though, and after doing a little bit of like digging and reading, this movie has a, is pretty deep, in my opinion. It's another deep movie. It's another kind of like oh, hook yeah. discussion, in my opinion. There's a lot of stuff that's happening in here that is representative of multiple things and things that are completely relevant to children, to teenagers, and all the way through adulthood, in my opinion. So uh, I think this movie holds up in the sense of that and the fact that it's in the fantasy genre and adventure or quest genre it it it's a perfect it's the perfect arena for those type of themes to exist and for mm-hmm. us to be shown <clears throat> things like good and evil but also kind of like what is hope and what is a world without hope type of thing mm-hmm. um and so those type of themes tend to resonate a lot within uh, the fantasy, uh, you know, genre. But here, I think it's done very subtly. And something that I've noticed, and this is something I can go back to, like maybe a little bit of hook, but mostly, most likely, like coming to America. It's a very simple movie, and Ooh. I always get very skeptical of very simple movies. And to me, this is a simple movie, but there's always these these characters there's deeper yeah there's, there's deeper, deeper meanings things. to these characters yeah. and i think that's what i like about this movie now like there's just so much more to it now yeah it, i mean well starting off like what you guys think of bastion you know like mm-hmm. what he's going through is pretty deep what did you guys think about that at the beginning oh yeah stuff he's little kids going having to go through something like that tough times and bullied at school and all that and want to go home just uh and like he like recently pretty, lost his mom, it seems like. Yeah, right? and, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. So that's that's pretty pretty deep. Like you said, man, to go through that as, as a kid is always going to be hard. You know, not going. I've never gone through that as I didn't go through that as a kid, but mm-hmm. even now it would be hard. So having to go through that at that young of an age would be devastating. I think you know. Yeah, 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 and that explains why he's his look. Uh, mm-hmm. Kind of gave him a way to deal with that in a way. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, so I was gonna say. I mean, that kind of explains why he's such like a uh, a bookworm, I guess, is because it's probably a way of him to escape his reality and kind of, mm-hmm. you know, get involved in something else that you know isn't so serious or you know so dark. What, what he was going through. Yeah, I yeah. think. Uh, yeah, go ahead. 
I think, yeah, I think going through what he's going through. And as a kid, that's the thing about, again, revisiting this film. Um, the thing that you don't see as a kid that you pick up as an adult. Those things, those themes are the things that you pick up, you know, like like the father. He's a single parent. He's a widower, you know, trying to tell his son, keep your feet on the ground. You always got your head in the clouds because he's always reading books, always going through escapism, going through using his imagination because he doesn't want to deal with, you know, not having his mom around. Like, yeah. that's what what's funny um, right at the beginning of the film when he yeah, he gets bullied, but then he has to go to school. Uh, after he goes into the bookstore and he steals the never ending story and he leaves a note saying, Hey, I'll bring the book back. And he goes to school and again, not to deal with reality. He escapes. Like he goes up into the attic of the school, yeah. which is one of the funnier moments. Cause like my wife looks at me like, how does he get up there? How did, he, where, how do you know how to get up there? Where is the key? Like, you know, he gets the key from like, it's hidden in like a fire alarm, a broken fire alarm or something like that. But you know, again, he's escaping because he doesn't want to deal with what's going on. So it, it is like these are things that I wouldn't think you would think about, obviously, as a kid when you watch this film. But when you see him now, you're like, right away, you pick that shit up. Yeah. Yeah. And even uh, even the talk that he has with his dad, you know, he's like, um, dad is all business. Dad is ready for breakfast. Dad is preparing his own breakfast. Dad is being healthy about it. Dad has got put an egg in there. <laughs> put an egg in there and everything. <clears throat> Not only that, but like he's already he's already uh, in business in his business attire. Like you know, he's already in a sense dealt with the reality, or as he puts it, he's dealing with the reality of it and progressing through that. You know, mm-hmm. um, but I feel like at the same time, that's that's a mature thing to do. But at that time, it's too bad that he doesn't, in a sense, kind of like support what Bastion is going through at the moment. You know what I mean? I think Bastion, mm. to some degree, is kind of like, because at one point he's like, it, they're unicorns. And his dad's like, what? And he's like, never mind. You know, like, he's like, I'm not even going to waste my time trying to explain what my imagination is coming up with or whatever type of thing. So his dad is all business. I thought that was an interesting, like, the fact that they're both in the same frame and you see one person kind of saying like, I'm moving on, I'm progressing, I'm taking my, I'm making my responsibility like at the forefront of my life. And there's Bastion. Uh, I mean, he's so he's, he's having nightmares. Didn't even open a jar of like jelly or whatever. (laughs) I mean, you know, like he's emotionally weak. He's, you know, he's a small kid and you're right. He's not dealing with the reality, unfortunately. So it's, you, you, as a kid, it's very easy f- to miss that kind of stuff. Yeah. Moment of silence for Bastion. <laughs> now, listen, it was a somber, it was a somber start to this movie. I mean, I, I don't remember that being part of, I was yeah. watching, I was like, I don't even remember this part. No. Yeah, I didn't. So damn long. I thought it started like, from what I remember mm-hmm. as a kid, like I thought it just started with him being like running from bullies. And then he just gets this mm-hmm. book. I don't even remember the, the book shop. I just remember him finding a book. <clears throat> yeah. And then all of a sudden it's, fantasy land so i yeah i don't know man it was it was very like you said as a kid there's a lot that you kind of just had gloss over but as, as an adult you kind of see the more nuanced stuff and the more serious stuff you know that kind of explains yeah. later in the future uh, later in the movie kind of what happens yeah mm-hmm. that's true that's what true what did you guys uh take from what's the guy's name at the bookstore can't remember his name carl conrad coriander 
Coriander's. <laughs> so that was the name. I think Coriander's was the name of the bookstore. Name of the bookstore. Yeah. 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 And uh, he he was reading the book, right? Yeah. He's kind of flipping through it. Yeah. It seemed like. I don't, you know, he said, he made the comment, nothing in here. There's nothing you're going to want in here. There's no rectangle things that go beep, 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 or beep, mm-hmm. boop, or whatever. <laughs> yeah. so, I mean, it was kind of like, and I guess this is like, you know, early to mid 80s. You have the rise of video games and stuff. So it's kind of like this commentary on like all kids today, they just want to watch TV or play video games. You're not going to like Isn't them. it still relevant? Isn't that crazy? Oh, it's super, super yeah. relevant. Yeah, oh, yeah. It's yeah. yeah, a good yeah, point. It's crazy, yeah. crazy relevant. Yeah. Because I mean, even back then, you see, when technology was so limited, I mean, by today's standards, it, it's like nothing. <laughs> yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like kids would be kids would be bored to death with the game systems that existed at that time. Um, <laughs> yeah. I, I, was, I don't think you get a, a kid like today. Could you get an eight year old today to spend an hour playing one of those video games? Probably not. When we were all children, did we spend more than an hour playing those video games? Oh yeah. Hell yeah. Hell yeah, yeah we did. Yeah, did. there for hours and play those yeah. play that shit. Yeah. You know what I mean? So it's just, yeah. And then, you know, so I think it's just a commentary on the state of technology and how kids don't like reading. And so I guess that's always been a gripe that old people have about kids. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> I have one of the most savage scenes of all time for a kid and animal, man. <laughs> what? <the> oh, <laughs> oh my God, dude. That scene with the horse and the man, it's still like pissing me off to this day. Like, why the fuck do you got to kill a goddamn horse? <laughs> <laughs> dude did you see the eyes on that horse when that they filmed yeah, that dude. scene like yeah. it, that horse looks legit like what are you scary. doing to me so back to the bookstore though do you guys think the like when i was watching i was thinking to myself i was like do you think the shop owner knew that kid was coming in there like was that a predetermined thing like he knew the kid was coming in or was it Oh, Gen- you know what I mean? He's like, reading the book. He's reading the book. Right. Oh so he, my God, dude. That's what I was, so I was thinking. I was like, do you think the shop owner knew that that kid was going to come into his store? And yeah. it was like, he was like, that's why he's sitting there waiting for him. Wow. That's what I was thinking. So what do you guys think about <laughs> that? that? You guys think that's, that's a good observation, dude. That's a good observation. Yeah, I could see that. I, one of my questions was going to be like, is the never ending story, like, is it, how do I say it? Like, is it customized to your circumstances? Or is a never-ending story like a general story that just you get pulled in? Because my first thought is, who is Coriander? Like, how is Coriander mm-hmm. helping the world of Fantasia? You know, right? Um, or like in Kyle's case, like, is he reading the story, and to some degree, is Coriander a test to Bastion to see what he would be? Because I mean, one of the coolest things that Coriander says to Bastion is like, he goes, "And what do you read?" You know. And he goes, mm-hmm. and how, mm-hmm. like, how, he goes, those, are, those books are safe. And to some degree, yeah. like, you know, he even waves off comics, you know, <laughs> he, mm-hmm. he's yeah. like, ah, you just reading comics. He goes, no, I read like Tarzan and like all these other books and stuff like that. But he goes, yeah, those are just safe books. And it's just, it's just interesting because it's the idea of like, have you ever read a book that has like really changed you on your way out or on your way of ending that book? It's kind of like a movie. Like, have you ever watched mm-hmm. a movie that has really like, challenged something about yourself or some way of thinking so that's kind of the idea and um now that that we're talking about it um i kind of think that coriander is more of a test for bass for bastion in in the light Mm. of what kyle said um because if he's if he's in that world if he kind of is familiar with that book or that world i feel like he could just be he's kind of like the first gate before entering uh fantasia very interesting so yeah it could be I definitely see that. Like, 
I could, I could see that correlation and also see it being that coriander, what coriander's, I, I also see that being as a book that's passed on for some reason. Right, yeah. So it's like so the next person. Yeah. So like Coriander's reading it and yeah. his his part of the story is over, but he sees like real time, but you know, this boy is going to walk into a bookstore and pick up the book. And then yeah. like Kyle says, that, that kind of like connect those dots a little like bit. I can see that being it as well. He, yeah. Uh, when so bashing with the book, you know. Yeah, it's like it worked but, or went through. You know what I mean? Like it, it, my, my plan worked out here because he took the book. Like it's all going yeah. according to plan. <clears throat> yeah, yeah. I think I'll, both of those, like Oscar says too, both the the gateway, that gateway uh, one is also interesting. Mm-hmm. Yeah. At the same time, though, like we do see we do see Bastion take the book into the attic, and it looks like he reads from the beginning of the book. Yeah. Right? right. So, yeah. I mean, that's what I'm saying. Like my first thought is like, is the book so magical? that the book knows who's holding it. And so therefore the story is in a sense tailored to the circumstances yeah. of this person. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? That's kind of how I saw it because my first thought is like Coriander seems like he's had the book for a damn long time. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So my first thought is like, you know, uh, you know, is he adventuring in the world of Fantasia or is he just waiting for the next kind of like courageous kid or the next hero ready for his quest type of thing. So, but uh, because because now the, the the video game things makes to me makes more sense now. It's like that's what I'm saying. It's more like a test. He's like, ah, you know, if you want to go and go and just kind of like lollygag and just be distracted, go play a video game. He's like, no, I read books, you know, like like he's yeah. worthy in front of Coriander, you know. So, yeah. but uh, that is an interesting exchange, though. It's a, definitely a, a necessary scene. Yeah. Um kind of going back to what Ephraim said with uh, Artex drowning in the, in the swamp oh, of sadness man. and our hero like who Scott said wasn't a hero in our, in our chat <laughs> he said I don't see anything heroic about Atreyu no he, <laughs> he said he doesn't recall if he was he doesn't recall heroic he, yeah oh, okay. as if he was as sorry Scott I, I misquoted yeah. you well but, but <laughs> was he though was he was he heroic or was he just brave come on I mean he was a brave right wasn't he like supposed to be like a little uh, he seems like he was, he was portrayed as a, a native Indian, maybe a, a native American person. Indian. Yeah, but yeah. I mean, so he so he was brave, like he had bravery. But mm-hmm. did he do anything that was actually heroic? Right. He gets the he gets to the end. He defeats the wolf and everything, yeah. and it's like still can't do shit. Like everything's still coming apart. You know, like uh, well, then what am I here for? Is this is this <laughs> supposed to stay in the goddamn land with by yeah. just saying an end? Then what the fuck do you need me for? Yeah, I'd, I'd yeah, I'd say, was, yeah, I'd say he was. Yeah, I'd say he was brave. My horse it. fucking died. Damn it. <laughs> yeah. Well, what is then that that totally brings into the question: What is a hero then? Right? Like, is he is he meant to be the hero, or is it Bastion that's supposed to be the hero? Because mm-hmm. then you look in the mirror, and Atreyu says, you know, the gnome tells him, "You see who you really are in the mirror," and Atreyu mm-hmm. sees Bastion, right? So that's yeah. the whole duality, I think, that happens in the story where Atreyu sees, <laughs> in essence, that Bastion is living through him in the book, right? Mm. And the but other then, way but around. Then what is, but then what does Bastion do that's heroic? All he does is scream a name into the night. <laughs> I don't know. He saves Fantasia, bro. What are you talking about? <laughs> what was that heroic? To me, heroic, I mean, I'm not, yes. not going to go Webster's Dictionary definition here, but isn't heroic like 
Isn't it like he saves the day? You're willing to <laughs> do something. Brave. You're willing to do something that requires an act of bravery that ultimately like requires the like yes. personal sacrifice to save another. That to me would be heroic. You know, and it, mm-hmm. and it's perfect that you said that because it's heroic for him to accept finally that his mother is gone and he screams it out, and he uses her, his mother's name at the end. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. yeah. So that's like for him, it took a lot to get mm-hmm. to that point and he just yelled it out even though he's reading a book right and it's a kid's movie and all this stuff but yeah. i think that's that's what it is and that's what they try to like you know portray in the film as far as bastion finally summon up the courage to accept reality okay. so you're saying for him to accept his reality and kind of just acknowledge the death of his mother in the sacrifice that would save fantasia yeah okay I got you. I, I would, then I would I would say that would be heroic. So I, you've proved me wrong. For a kid. I mean, it's for a kid, you know, not, yeah, yeah, obviously well, not for anybody. Adult. I mean, facing yeah. the reality of a dead, you know, and you're kind of living in la-la land because you can't accept it. And then you come to the acceptance of it um, and, you know, at great pain of yourself yeah. to benefit somebody else. Uh, that's considered heroic. I would consider yeah. that heroic no matter what age you are. And also, too, um, both Atreyu and Bastion share in the experience of loss because mm-hmm. Atreyu lost, um, what's his horse's oh, name? True. Artax. Artax. Yeah. yeah. So, and what do we see after Artax like passes away after he drowns? Like we see Bastion crying because, in yeah. a sense, that's almost that's the beginning Mom, of yeah. yeah, that's the beginning of a, of kind of one you're witnessing loss. They're, they're both, you know, Bastion is witnessing the loss of Artax, and then he's also witnessing the pain of Atreyu. And in them, in that, in that moment, they're, they're unified in that loss because they're, in a sense, they, they can relate to each other. Hey, man, all I know is when I was a kid, when that horse died, I think I was probably crying too. I remember being devastated when that horse died. Yeah, man. Devastated. Yeah. Kyle, you said something funny, though, earlier. What did you say? You said, uh, I don't know how he didn't drown too. <laughs> Yeah, let me ask you that. First of all, I got two questions about that. Now that we're, now we're going to nip. Oh, that's it. right. We are in that. All right. Yeah, all right. First of all, why was the horse so damn sad that it drowned? Because the, the, the swamp of sadness, you only sink if you're sad. So what the hell was the horse sad about? Number one. Number two, after he dies, after the horse sinks, Atreus like literally crying. He can't be sadder. That motherfucker ain't sinking nowhere. Until later, he's hero. No, tired. <laughs> then he starts sinking. Yeah. Heroes rise. <laughs> Do you know what I'm saying? Uh, heroes rise. No, he's sad. Occasion. He's sad. He's sad. He's exhibiting sadness. The horse was sad. Horse was trying to walk. <laughs> <laughs> okay, real quick. Since we're on that, real, I'll just say this super fast. Uh, interesting fact about that was that it took seven weeks for that horse just to tolerate the level of mud being that high to it. Wow. It would always try to, yeah. It would always try to run away, always pull away. It couldn't handle it because it felt like it was, you know, gonna drown. Of course, you know, I always yeah, wanted, yeah. I always wanted right. to swim away. So that's why that look in that horse's eyes is legit, dude. <laughs> in the movie, like yeah, was, they, they put that, they put that horse in deep. It was deep. Yeah, it was yeah, like it was really deep, man. It was like neck deep. Yeah, it was. It was actually standing on a hydraulic lift. So, oh, okay. yeah, yeah, yeah I figured. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Not gonna just put him in some kind of ridiculous Yeah, let's. Today. No, let's let's see if we can tackle uh, Kyle's question. I mean, I think it's a great I think it's a great question. Uh, mm-hmm. I think one, if if you remember what Atreyu says to uh, Artax, he's like, he basically says like, you you have to start caring. 
because mm-hmm. you know if if you notice even before that the Bastion is reading and they're and they're he's kind of narrating where our uh, Atreyu and Artex have been and one of those places is the deserts of shattered shattered dreams or something like that so mm-hmm. just just kind of notice the names of these places the swamp of sadness uh, desert of shattered dreams, shattered dreams you know so these are things that I feel like are there they can be very they're relevant to, to human to human thought and the idea of human mm-hmm. thought so you know what happens when dreams are shattered you know what is the effect of that how do we feel the swamp of sadness you know I don't know what made our tax sad but what I do find interesting is that obviously because we you know are in this movie our tax doesn't speak but what's interesting is how Atreyu converses with him he's basically mm-hmm. saying like you have to care like you know you have to in a sense do change something about yourself to kind of keep moving because both of them are having trouble walking through it and yes atrey after artax dies atreyu is struggling to pro- like kind of progress through the swamp because it's so, so far and everything but he's yeah. he's our hero and he knows that he has to in a sense care cuz he's on a mission so i mean i get the question it's kind of a lot it's, i get it. it's a logical question um, but I just feel like this is once again like the themes that we're talking about here. Um, so our text is basically, I'll do our text's voice. He's basically like, I don't care. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe I want to die. <laughs> or they want. There's to no carrots here. There's or no carrots, so I want to die. Yeah. <laughs> or you they want to drown a horse and make kids sad. I don't feel. I don't yeah. know. You know. I, I mean. Yeah, I heard you. No, that's a good. That's a great. Those are great points. It it is. It's crazy because I think, I mean, this might be one of the reasons why the author hated the movie, um, because it is very dark, right? So, yeah. I think I think the themes that were painted are dark, like the mother, you know, the widower, um, dealing with that, like the places that you're describing. Um, it's almost like different phases of depression. You know, they phases of life, really, and, and they yeah. are, yeah, they are part of life. But in that instance, it's like, right, you lose a life, in your in your life, and then you go through those those stages, which is kind of, I think, being depicted early on in the film. Yeah, um, and then getting to uh, even before that, though, we kind of skipped over the rock biter and those interesting characters. Oh, that's that are right. All yeah, trying yeah. to, you know, who? What did you guys think about like just the makeup and effects of those characters? But, you know, given it's early 80s, I thought it looked pretty cool, you know? Yeah. I mean, it's not going to pull the count what's out there now, but put yourself back in that time and practical effects and all that. I think they did a good job. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, when I was a kid, I remember the Rockbiter just being like such a just a massive character. Watching yeah. it mm-hmm. now, I'm like, you know, again, like you said, it's for the 80s, it's impressive. You know, it's a puppet. It's a, it's a big thing, but... um I mean, it does look a little janky now, I yeah. guess. But... It's no uh, job of the hut, but you know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like the what's the guy's name? The Night Hob, um, and then oh, Teeny yeah. Weenie Roll. was the guy that rode the the uh, the, the racing the racing, racing snail. snail. <laughs> <laughs> I'll say this right now: even as a kid, that was probably the most absurd thing to me. But I, I still like thought it was cool for some the reason. racing snail the snail yeah the racing snail yeah I, was like, I know what is that no it can't be a freaking fast snail and then he was like oh wait a minute he feeds it like some kind of special rock and it just takes up yep. yeah yeah there's a smoke rocks he eats rocks 
<laughs> eat smoke, eat smoke. <laughs> Just like the rock biter. <laughs> For real. <laughs> yeah. He bites rocks. Um, but getting to like, so obviously, you know, I thought Kyle was gonna be the nothing on this episode based on what he was saying earlier. But <laughs> he's been pretty, he just called, pretty good. He just called so you like to rob all like rob this entire podcast of hope. That's pretty much what he just called. <laughs> <laughs> that's it. That's, that's, that's fine. That's a little heavy. Nah, man. Little I'll be the like, I'll be the agent of the of the nothing. Gamork. Gamork. I'll be Gamork. Yeah. Dude, yeah. I didn't I didn't know his name when I you know when I was a kid. I honestly, I shit you not, I thought he was the nothing. I oh, thought yeah. the Mork was like that. the physical representation of the nothing. Oh, that's a cool yeah. idea. Yeah, I can see that. Yeah. Um, but like all these different characters, they kind of meet up at the what is it? The the um the childlike empress's the tower. What is it called? Yeah, for a tower, or whatever. Uh, the empress's tower. Fuck, I it's behind it's me. Called, I can't man. remember what the hell it's called. It's right there, dude. It's like the Eye of Sauron. <laughs> they label it. <laughs> the I think opposite. at one point they call it like it's not the name, but it's like they they label it as kind of like it's a beacon of hope. Yeah. At one point. Yeah. yeah but how do I not remember what the name? They call it. They call it the heart. It's it's in the heart of Fantasia. I remember that. Yeah. Yeah. <clears throat> I don't recall exactly where. Uh, Maybe it's like in a, Look it up on Google. Maybe it's on Google. Google it. <laughs> Google it, bro. <laughs> we got some dumb questions. <laughs> ivory Tower. The Ivory ah, Tower. There it is. There there it is. Okay. As opposed to the Ebony Tower. Evil <laughs> ass racist. But like all these different characters like that meet up and they're all there because they're desperate to find out what's going on and if the childlike empress can save Fantasia. Yeah. And uh, this big dude who works for the childlike empress comes out. I don't remember his name. Um, and basically says there's no hope because she's dying. Yeah. And uh, we're going to try to send uh, Atreyu out to save the day. 13 year old kid uh, from the yeah, plane. He didn't know. Yeah, he didn't know he was a kid though, remember? Because yeah. Atreyu shows up and he's like, Who are you? I, I needed a warrior. He's like, I am a traitor. Yeah, I am a warrior. Yeah. yeah. And also, too, like, we don't know that it's a, at this point, I don't recall seeing the Empress until near the end. So we don't know if she's childlike, actually, until far later, correct? Right. Yeah, you only see her at the very yes. end. Yeah. I know that's yeah, her character's right. name, right. but in yeah. reality, like, the people, the viewer doesn't know that until much later. So, so is that, again, that, is that that part of that duality that they show? Where it's Bastion, that's why Atreus so young because it's Bastion who's reading the book, so he yeah. sees himself as that warrior. Mm-hmm. That's how I took and it. I, oh, yeah. that's how I took see, it. And they can't have a uh, statutory, so that he sees himself with a young empress, a childlike empress. <laughs> 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 I mean, hey, you know, that you makes sense. It makes sense. <laughs> yeah, you know. So, um. Kyle, you had you you had said something to me about uh, Morla. Yeah, you had a question about Morla. Morla. Oh yeah, oh yeah. Back to the swamp. Well, I think I understand. I mean, earlier I was like, man, that 
turtle was a complete asshole to betray you like yeah it was not helpful <laughs> sneezing on him three times like yeah, for real. yeah. it's yeah it talks so damn slow i guess the turtle understand it but i mean i guess i would be pissed off too if i lived my life in the swamp of sadness so that probably that probably explains why he's such a jackass um yeah but that turtle was I don't, I don't remember that turtle again i don't remember the dick no, I'm, at the time i remember i remember the sneeze thing i remember that i mean because i'm sure at the time that was like a crazy effect for the pull off yeah um where you're actually knocking a kid off a <laughs> off a ding tree, yeah, dude. Mud. Um, but I think I read it's somewhere he, he got he got injured. I think doing that. Oh, dude, that bad, effect. yeah, oh, really? a couple times. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So um, I don't I don't remember the turtle being such a jerk, but yeah, it was an absolute jerk. Yeah, yeah I didn't even remember the turtle until watching the movie. I'm like, oh shit, I remember about that dance. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm yeah. allergic to boys. Is that what he said? Something like that. <laughs> Like he that. says something like, I'm, like, I'm allergic to humans, right? No, no, no. I'm allergic to youth. He's allergic oh, to youth. Is that what he youth. says? Youth. youth. Yeah. Oh, I think he said you. I thought, I, yeah, I thought he said you. No, I read the subtitles. It says youth. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Jesus. I'm terrible. I'm allergic to you, motherfucker. Leave me alone. <laughs> Get the fuck away from me. Did you see I'm sneezing? Well, I mean, you know, and I, you know, I totally agree with Kyle. Like, I didn't get, I was like, yo, like, what's up with this turtle? Like, here, like, hey, this turtle is presented as like the wisest mm-hmm. thing in Fantasia. <laughs> you don't know shit. And then all of a sudden, it's like, tell me, like, how do I save the Empress? Well, I don't really care. It's like, what? <laughs> <laughs> uh, nothing matters. Yeah, exactly. What the heck are you but doing? It's because yeah. it lives its life in the swamp of sadness. So I yeah. guess I understand one. Why yeah, that one, makes so much sense. Yeah. For me. But one thing that I read that I was, I thought that was interesting. It's like you said, we're we're talking about like themes, and we're talking about like perceptions, and kind of like how we see ourselves and so forth, like that that turtle is also from a point of kind of like apathy this person Mm. has pretty much been defeated by life to some degree this person this turtle this wisest person has lived for such a long time and you know they're wise but they don't really care about anything the uh get off my lawn complex yeah they're indifferent to um so to the world in fact the only time that the, the turtle actually gets excited about something is it's like well fantasia's gonna die because like if we don't save the empress and he's like oh death that would be something that so would be something yeah. yeah that would be something but everything else in life is it doesn't matter there's like there's no need for me to be excited about it so it's just it, it was interesting when it, when i was presented with that idea i was like wow that's like really cool because it makes sense now as to why mm-hmm. the turtle is so cold towards Atreyu. Because Atreyu is on a mission, and this turtle's like, ah, nothing really matters anyways. What's the point? So once again, we're being confronted by a perspective of kind of uh, a, mm-hmm. a mental, a mindset, if you will. So I was like, yeah, that makes a lot of sense when you watch it again like that. And that's, uh, that's is that when he's about to get got by Gamork, and then Falcor comes oh, in and Falcor saves the day? Yeah, you see him like there's like a little bit of a montage like him. (laughs) Well, there's a little bit of a montage of of uh, Atreyu like walking through the swamp of sadness, struggling, like tired, and you know I would consider that I would consider that a lot of resilience in my opinion. That's our that's our hero. You know what that is? That is that is growing up in the Midwest when you're a kid and having to walk home in the snow. That's like you know half of, <laughs> like four feet tall and you're For just real like, man uh, For real. that's exactly what that was right there yeah that's uh you know i don't want to 
walk anymore, so you just fall in the snow. Yeah, but uh, <laughs> but you're but you're right though. Gamork does fall, like it's pretty much like uh, yeah, out on the trail. Him. Yeah, yep. and then yeah. and then Falcor comes down. Would you guys say that was pretty scary? Like for you know being a kids film like at the time. Yeah, I was. I could see that. Sure, it's it's pretty dark in my opinion. Yeah, like it like Gamork coming up. Yeah, like the the perspective like, of Gamork. Hunt, yeah. Yeah. yeah, it's it's like it just it's a little remnant of like um like chase scenes in horror movies. Like right, you know, exactly. that's that's kind of how I thought it. Run through so. the forest and run through the swamp. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And the yeah, music that's... is pretty eerie too. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. So Absolutely. yeah, it's pretty dope for a kids film. Um, and that that's another thing like I noticed is like Return to Oz is another one that's kind of like that. There there's mm. films that were made back in the eighties that were for kids that are just way darker than what you would yeah. see now like that kind of stuff probably i don't know it, it would get made it would definitely not be a pg movie <laughs> right right no it's true that's true so now um, so now falcor has uh has taken our hero uh who's a little bit past our out. hero in quotes our hero in quotes that's right he's then <laughs> defined i think he's our hero i would have to define that he's our hero uh, um, and then he's uh it's not a planet. I don't know where they are exactly, to be honest. They're ten thousand miles close, almost ten thousand miles they're to the nine, edge of. They're nine thousand nine hundred and eighty-one <laughs> miles. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> they're just close around the corner the, from the, yeah, the southern, southern oracle. Or, yeah, yeah. yeah, one of the oracles, and yeah. um, which brings one of the uh, kookiest moments in the film to mind, which is uh, when Atreus petting. Uh, yeah. <laughs> That was that was weird. Outcore. Yeah, I was like, well, what do you guys think about that first exchange? Like when when uh, yeah. first comes to and man, uh, where's Scott when you need him? You know, and, what I mean? felt, and felt, oh, exactly. That's what I was thinking. That's what I was gonna get to. This is perfect for Scott because Falcor is like, like I I've seen this exchange before, and this exchange is usually like in the context of a one night stand where it's like. Right. He wakes up like, "Hey, where where are you going? Sneaking out?" He's like, "Oh yeah, I was just gonna uh, head out." I saw that. I was like, "Sneaking out?" He was. He's like, he says it. He's like, "Hey, where are you?" He's like, "Hey, where are you going? Sneak, sneaking out?" And then Trey goes, "Oh yeah, I was just gonna run. I was just, I gotta go." And just, he's like, "I left my number there if you want to call me." Exactly. Hey, it was a lot of fun, but I gotta go. I'm late for work. Like I've seen this before. Oh, that's and I didn't so like. Funny. I didn't. That part was so weird to me. <laughs> So yeah. I didn't even look at it like that because I thought the exchange you were talking about was when he was like, when Falk was like, I like children. Well, you that's know? weird. Okay. Oh, <laughs> after that exchange, I was like, uh, uh, what? I didn't even think about that one, but mine is the one where he's actually petting him behind the ear. Right, he's, he's like, like yeah, oh, yeah, yeah. That just takes it like, okay. further. Yeah. <laughs> he's yeah. like, okay. Yeah, uh, so, uh having a little weird. bit too good of a time here. Yeah, that's, that was <laughs> weird. Yeah, I don't, I don't know. That was a weird exchange, man. Watch that scene again. Do you notice that Falcor winks at him like two times? Yes. Uh, yeah, yeah, he, he winks at him. He creepy winks ass well, wink. Yeah, his, his okay. left eye. Nah, nah. <laughs> and, I, and I'm kind of, I'm kind of sprinkling these in because I'm doing them a little bit differently. But interesting fact about Falcor is like that dude, that that prop was like 43 feet long. Like it, it was actually oh, yeah. a big ass prop, and his head weighed like 200 pounds. That's and insane. it took like. 20 something people to puppeteer it like yeah so that's probably why he winked because he was like i can't hold that shit no more yeah the guy the guy who holding the wink the wink arm right. whatever, the, the, the wink the string eye. yeah 
And like cut my arm went out. My arm right. went out. He's like, man, I ain't getting paid enough for this shit. <laughs> click, 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 whatever, man. Dude, wink, wink, let's go. Oh, I can't yeah. imagine having to hold something up that heavy and still That's try insane, to, dude. you know, art like you know, yeah, move it, it around and stuff. Exactly. <laughs> Make it look natural. Yeah. It's it's this is crazy. Um but there is there, you know. I get what y'all are saying. Like he likes children. That that line. Like as an adult, that is some shit. That's to us. It's like, wait, what? What did you just say? Oh no, yeah, yeah. Well, just, but as a kid, I, that's something that you'll like. You look at it differently, obviously. Well, now I wonder if it's like because obviously this was a German book. This movie was made in Germany. I wonder if there's a little bit of like lost in translation. You know what I mean? Because um, there's a couple of different parts. Like there's one part too. I don't know if you guys caught this going back a little bit, but. Um, when that troll looking thing twice, twice within like 10 mm-hmm. minutes of each other, he says like, what is this guy? Nuts. What are you nuts? And like, oh, I, can only, okay. I can only think of that. That must've been like a, a popular phrase back then or something. Cause like, <laughs> it was so weird. Like the first time I heard it, it was whatever. The second time I heard it, I was just like, it's so strange that they put that exact line Again. so close to each other. Yeah. Um, I took it as like a translation thing. So maybe that's that whole exchange with Falcor. Like it's just kind of like a, they're trying to figure out how best to say it in English, and it just kind of came across as very mm. forward. I don't know. Yeah. I, I mean, the only thing I can think of is that it's one of those things where it's just a really quick way to to say, like, I'm on your side. Mm. You know, I'm supporting yeah, yeah. you. You know, um, because he does explain. He's like, you know, hey, you're trying to get to the Oracle. He's like, how do you know? I was like, oh, because like you were like talking in your sleep. And it's like, oh, great. Now you're watching me while I sleep. He's cleaned and he's dressed and it's, yeah, it's weird. Yeah, you know, but um, <clears throat> so, yeah, I think it's just a way to, to say like, hey, like I'm you know, that's how he, that's how he finally introduces himself. He's like, oh, I'm a luck dragon, you know, and he kind of explains like his 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 reason of being in existence and so forth. So um yeah but yeah i think that was just, it, the exchange wasn't that great like looking at it now as an adult yeah you can obviously like twist and turn it in certain ways um uh, but as soon as i saw that scene I was like oh man we're gonna have we're gonna have a field day with this one <laughs> so <laughs> yeah i know <laughs> that's when uh shortly after he meets uh engie wook and ergle i think the uh gnomes oh that's right that have uh, been studying the how long have they been studying the uh, southern oracle I, I oh know, man said for a really long time oh, um, yeah. you know it you know what I, didn't, I, I noticed this that I never noticed before. And I've seen this movie multiple times, but this last rewatch, I realized that uh, the actress that plays Urgle, Patricia Hayes, is the same actress that plays um, Roselle. I think it's Roselle in uh, Willow. The I don't know if you guys remember the movie Willow. Yeah. Um, the one that plays that old like sorceress. That, uh, Matt Morgan. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so I was like, oh, shit, that's uh, Patricia Hayes. So. Interesting. I, I didn't realize that was her. Um, but their their exchanges is kind of funny to me. It's again uh, not like to the level of the exchanges that Billy Crystal has with his wife in um, oh. you know, Princess Bride. That's right. But similar, <clears throat> right? Similar. Very similar. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> very very similar. Yep. And uh, it's just funny to me, like watching it now as an adult, that he calls her wench all the time. It's, yeah. It's just like hilarious. He wench. He's like, get on, the, get on the winch, wench. <laughs> yeah, that, that, is, that is one of the funniest lines in that movie. I have to admit, yeah. yeah. Uh, it, so I, I saw this movie twice actually, and because uh, like, I, I, the first time for me, like when, when I watch these like new movies, it's just to kind of get it all soaked in, just to kind of enjoy the narrative, and then the second time is to be a little more observative. 
um, but before it. the but before the second time, I did a little bit of research and stuff. And something that that like since I'm in the lens of like seeing these these characters as like representations of certain themes and so forth, the the scientist I, I can't I can't speak for like the the his wife, or mm-hmm. I'm assuming it's his wife. Um, but the scientist he the fact that you brought up that he's been studying for a long time. And if we're talking about life and kind of going through phases in life, the way that I pretty much boxed him in was he's he, he represents simply observation and the study of life. He doesn't necessarily engage life, if that makes sense. So the other way mm. you can put it is this person is pretty much and not to like say, hey, the scientific community isn't isn't like beneficial, but a lot of it is based on theory and hypothesis and kind of experimentation. But to really engage in life is to experience it. And I feel like the scientist hasn't really experienced life. He's only observing those who are potentially brave. Like when they're so when is they're that, is that a representation of like Bastion then? Because he reads books so much that he hasn't really experienced life because he's just reading all the time. Like his dad says, you got your head in the clouds all the time. Uh, it's, uh, it's kind of, yeah, I, I think it could potentially like if, yeah, it could kind of be like a foreshadowing of what Bastion could become if he doesn't necessarily, if he, you know, if he continues to avoid life, um, mm. you know, so, but that was one thing. I mean, it could be, it could be a stretch there, but I, I thought that was interesting because it's like, you know, this guy's been studying a long, like he makes it known. He's like, oh, I've been studying for a long time, these oracles. And it's like, mm-hmm. well, if you know so much about it, like, you know, wouldn't you know how to get through it? You know? Yeah. Well, that's an interesting thing too. So, Right, Atreyu talks to them, and then he knows where the oracles are. He runs and heads towards the two boobed oracles, which is a whole other thing. Like a, that came you know, out like a in an eighties kids go, movie. Wow. Quite a perspective <laughs> we had. There. Those sphinxes were stacked. They could have been set. Yes, they were. They they could have been. They could have been set pieces in that fucking Cardi B WAP music video, man. For real, they <laughs> were. They were. They was were. They were bodied up. I'm sure some listeners a... now are like, oh, I'm gonna watch this movie right now. Watch this movie <laughs> right what? Now. <laughs> uh, <laughs> that's another thing the author hated, dude. He said, and then he said, I think his words were something similar to like, and then they stuck those sand strippers in my film, like in the <laughs> oh, story. Wow. That's that's so sand probably. strippers. Oh, that's good. Yeah. I think all sand strippers are gonna find that offensive. <laughs> <laughs> that's that's what he, that's those what are he not said. our words. Right, but yeah, I think I looked over at my wife and I was like, "Man, I can't believe they put that in the movie." Now that I'm looking at it, I was like, mm. "I was like, they even got the nipple on there and everything." Yeah, <laughs> so, yeah. pretty crazy. But um, yeah, Treyu gets by that, <clears throat> and then that's what's interesting because uh, Ingiwook says, "No, he's not. You know, he's not done. Now he has to stare into the mirror, right?" Um, yeah. Um, I don't, I don't remember what it's called again. Terrible. Um, it's another. It's like another oracle, basically. <laughs> But the second gate. But let me let me back up there real quick. I got a couple questions. Number one, mm-hmm. how, how do you guys think the scientist knows about the second gate? Yeah, that's what I was gonna say. Mm. Yeah, how, how how does he know about that? Because the first one it seems like I think he knew he knows what needs to be done to get to the first one, right? He says you gotta believe in yourself, basically, you gotta be confident. Yeah. And the <laughs> shiniest, fanciest armor isn't gonna hide how you really feel about yourself. So he's gotta be a confident guy, right? Mm-hmm. So he knows how to get mm-hmm. to the first one, but if you've gotten to the first one, you don't make it past the second one. You're not going to live to come back and say, "Hey, that second one's a freaking doozy," right? So how does? <laughs> don't, I mean, is that established? Did I miss something as to how? Is, that, is he, 
been studying it and he just knows. Yeah. Maybe that's, I don't know. Again, this is based on a book. So maybe that's part of the disconnect of the mm-hmm. you know, yeah. adaptation. But the only thing I can think of is maybe it's known already that there's three just kind like, of tests. Lore. Yeah. Right. Like lore. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then the second thing is what, what I didn't like about that whole sequence. When I was a kid, it was awesome. It seemed like it was like such like a grand thing, such an action mm-hmm. pack moment. Like I, mm-hmm. I can distinctly remember the night being like zapped and he falls off yeah. the horse and then Trey was walking up and then the wind blows his like shield up and you see his charcoal face. You're like, mm-hmm. holy shit, this is this is intense. Mm-hmm. But then what what I mean Atreyu wasn't worthy. He only got through because he jumped and missed the lasers <laughs> missing. He wasn't he, he, he wasn't even worthy to pass through the first gate. He just was fast enough to get through it. So you're telling me that there was never somebody faster than a Treyu to try to go through that gate. <laughs> <laughs> like, they, like, I, like, okay. it, it shouldn't. Have, they should have opened Maybe, their eyes uh, and then me. like winked at him and then closed or something. You know what I mean? Like they should have let him go. Why they try shooting at him? He wasn't worthy. <laughs> I Maybe feel like this question, this question has the same type of intention as the swamp of sadness. That's that's what I feel like we're trying to explain. <laughs> I mean, I like the question. I like the question because yeah, the second time mm-hmm. I saw it too, I was just like, I was like, hmm, like because at this point, Bastion is reading and he's saying, "Run, Atreyu." The scientist mm-hmm. is saying, "Run." Atreyu. Everybody's screaming, "Run!" Yeah, everyone's screaming, "Run!" And so, do you? Yeah, like, is it just? Hey, I'm just physically quick enough to get That's out of the I'm laser saying. beams, or is it like does he does he actually get the courage and and stop his hesitation and just move forward? Yeah, I don't know. I mean, that's a good question. Uh, what'd you say, Ephraim? I'm sorry. I said uh, it must have been a trap the whole time. It must have been a trap the whole time. Yeah, like everyone thinks they're supposed to just be confident about themselves and walk through it. But what if they're just actually fucking with them and it's actually a lie? And yeah, <laughs> no, I mean, like, no, maybe that could I be, yeah. <laughs> no, I true. think I think what Oscar says because that's what I thought. That's how I took it as like because he's like you know he's obviously kind of walking. You could tell he's being a little trepidatious. He's not you know you can yeah, tell he's like right. losing a little bit. And then they start screaming, run! It gives him the confidence. I'm thinking he starts running. But then when they shot, it's like well they shouldn't have shot that because he had the confidence when he ran. Exactly. Yeah. I, I think. I think it's because I think Angie Wook says it too. He, I think he says something to the effect of like he has doubt. So when he has that moment of doubt, I think that's when it kind of triggers those oracles, mm. and then I he realizes you. they should have zapped him though. He wasn't worthy. Though. Yeah, but then he was like, "Fuck this! You know what? What am I doubting?" And he runs and he jumps. Yeah, but those things are so old that they don't have a reset button, so they go off anyway. Man, I mean, you, you could even you could even <laughs> interpret it as is as, as as like you know, to walk through there is like you have this sense of confidence, but you're always gonna have haters, and the beams are like the haters. Like you're always gonna have haters, <laughs> <laughs> and everyone's gonna attack you. So you just gotta you just gotta keep walking through that shit. Pay <laughs> attention to the haters. haters, haters are your motivators. That's, true. Yeah. That's yeah. right. That's true. You gotta have a support network. So. All right, so he gets. Then he goes to the second gate, right? And he goes to the yep. snowstorm, and it's uh, it's an ice mirror, right? Mm-hmm. It's the second gate. Yeah. It's supposed to be tougher than the first one. So ex- explain to me. This is where I need somebody's got to explain this shit to me. Why is that second one tougher than the first one? For for a Treyu, for a Treyu, I think it's because he has to, he has to grasp the fact that he's not real. Because mm. that he's living in a fantasy. He's. And that's that's where I think Engie Wook says, you know, you a, a courage a courageous man sees himself as being a coward, you know, 
he sees the real version of himself and that's why atreyu sees bastion because that's who really is living that adventure this is the reader not not atreyu so i think that's why it's it's more difficult in that in that sense um would it be because he has to grasp with the fact that he's not real that he's he's fiction damn that's deep yo but i didn't if, even get that but that's that, awesome yeah, that, i mean that's the only explanation there is but then why would he give a shit about the rest of it if he knows he's not real if it's all fake then what's the point because he's in love with the childlike empress yo but that well what how do you really get that? he's in love with her he's just trying to save her to save the world to save fantasia there there's has no to be something there's no love story in that. <laughs> that's what i was saying like he's at them like well, what, what the hell am i doing here then <laughs> Well, anyway, yeah. okay, so yeah, that's, I I didn't get that part. I was like, it, it's like to, to and what you just said makes sense. That that to me would make sense what you just said. But I was yeah. watching, I was just like, I don't get, like, I it's like they're it's like you're trying to be deep, but you're not. This to yeah. me just so like I don't understand this. Like, yeah. well, then, I could I could understand from Bastion's perspective where he has to like acknowledge it, like kind of dawns on him. Oh, like Atreyu is me in this story. Like I'm. You know yeah. what I mean? Like I'm, right. I see myself in him, but I don't know why Atreyu seeing himself as a kid reading a book in an attic would be like a like a difficult thing to do. Other than like what you just pointed out was his yeah. acknowledgement then that he's not even real; he's a part of a figment of imagination of a story. Well, so let's, that, that makes sense. That makes well, let's sense. put it this way: let's put it in a, in a much in a little bit more contemporary context. Let's fast forward to Toy Story. What happens to Buzz Lightyear when he finds out that he's just a toy? Oh, yeah, he goes, yeah he kind of loses oh, it. His, his narrative is completely shattered, and so <clears throat> he now has to basically—he's basically in the hands of Andy. Like his life is handed over to, in a sense, a, a creator. Yeah. Like there, yeah. the creator is now in control of his life, and the creator at this point is like the story, but also yeah. the person who's reading the story. So Caesar's on point, but to, to kind of connect it to a more contemporary character, I think I think yeah, it's like Woody and Atreyu, like they have yeah. like a very similar like destiny. You know. There's no Woody in the Neverending Story to tell Buzz that he has to live for Andy. You know what yeah. I'm saying? Yeah. Which is kind of what fast forwarding in the Neverending Story, the Empress tells Atreyu that you know there's a, a human boy that's reading this book that we need him yeah. to do this to save Fantasia. Yeah. So. Oh, you know what, man? You guys are right. You guys are right. And actually, if you remember earlier on, I don't know when it is, but there's a point when bastion yells like he screams and atreyu hears it yeah yeah mm-hmm. more like, then, then bastion's like what he's like they, there's no way they could have heard me right yeah and it's just kind mm-hmm. of like okay all right, all right okay i see yeah. okay I see where we're going with this yeah there you go so then after that he gets to the third oracle right yeah the Is southern the, oracle, whatever they the call southern it, yeah. oracle mm-hmm which is the ice version of those two <clears throat> sand strippers and uh yeah. <laughs> sand strippers. Uh, the ice uh, sculptures yeah the yeah. voluptuous ice sculptures yeah and then they basically tell him like you know the only way you can save the empress is if you rename her if you give her a new yep. name yep and then they fall apart <laughs> yeah they fall apart and uh because that's when he tells falcor he needs a ride like let's go you gotta go see the Empress. Come on, Uber. Hey, Uber. Come on, Uber Falcon. Uber, <laughs> Uber <Right>. Falcon. <laughs> I need a look. <laughs> Uber Falcon Falcor. <laughs> <laughs> oh, 
Oh, that's right. I called him Falcon. <laughs> My bad. The Falcon in the winter. The Falcon in the winter. Falcor. There you go. <laughs> Coming to you next fall. Oh my gosh, dude. But I mean, we kind of skimmed over the whole fact, like through this story, that there was something. And I'll say this is probably my one thing. It is very symbolic of the film, but I still don't understand what the purpose of it was, uh, which was the Orin. Like he gets the Orin from yeah. the Empress or not the Empress, the Empress's uh, emissary or whatever. I don't know yeah. his name. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and he gives it to him and he <clears> says, <throat> uh, this will protect you. I think that's what he says. Protect didn't you and guide it, you. It says. Didn't it say whoever wears this is like representative of the Empress? So like people will know that you're representing her. And your quest or uh, something sounds, sounds like an ID bad. badge, is what you're saying. That's kind right. of how I took it. I didn't think it had any kind of magic. I work words. here. Yo, let me through. I gotta find a name <laughs> for this girl. Yo, yo, I gotta find a name for this girl. Yo, I need I need a girl's name. <laughs> I don't know. No, you know what? That's actually one of my questions. That's a really good question, Caesar. All right, so you want to know like what about the Orin exactly? Like what, what's the purpose of it? Or like, no, I mean, I think Kyle kind of answered the, the crux of like, not the crux, but the reason it was given uh, to a trade. Yeah. But like, it kind of just kind of, it's kind of like secondary throughout the story. It's not very prominent. Although it looks really dope. Like it's a very dope token. Yeah. You know, that that was the thing that I was going to bring up because the second time that I saw it, I was just like, why is it a snake? And the reason why is because the first time, uh, one, I mean, to me, the snake has a very, it's the symbolic as one going back to the Bible, you know, you have the snake being very devious and stuff like that, mm-hmm. but also to Conan, Conan, like our villain, has a double headed snake, double headed yeah. snake. Um, but I did when, when doing the reading a little bit, the, the point of the double headed snake supposedly, because if you notice, it's kind of eating itself. It's mm-hmm. almost like an infinity symbol too. Mm. So <clears throat> it's kind of a representation of the fact that because when we, when we finally see that part where Atreyu meets before he meets uh Gamork, you see those paintings on the wall. Yeah. Remember the paintings? Yeah. I mm-hmm. was like, why are these paintings here? And the, what I read would also explain the fact that like, these are things that represent the idea that like, we're going to experience these things again. Mm-hmm. So the representation of sadness, hopes being, you know, not happening, whatever. And so the Orin is a representation of this recycling, this cycle, never ending, uh, never yeah. ending like life's Makes basically. Sense. Yeah. So I think the Orin is just more of a, like a, a reminder that, yeah, like this life is going to have a lot of cycles in it and we could go through a lot of them multiple times. And so that's yeah. what the paintings also reflect as well. So nice. So very cool visuals there. Yeah, I know. I was the, I was like, why is this thing a double-headed snake? You know? Doesn't yeah, make- that's true. So now it makes sense. Thank you, Oscar. A little bit um, of research. I had to do yeah. it, man. It was too much of a simple movie, and I couldn't figure it out. <laughs> well, that's yeah, that's kind of leading up to um right, the fight with Gamork, right? And then yeah. he loses the Orin. And somehow, that's another one of my maybe my gripes as an adult is I have no idea how Falcor, this gigantic 43 foot dragon, was Drops. able to see that tiny ass Orin underwater <laughs> and somehow grab it. Well, and and why was he even looking for it? Because he wasn't even there when it was lost. Right. Yeah. 
because it was GPS on that dog. Dude, dude I thought it was like, because like, at that point, here. <laughs> at that point, he doesn't know. He, put an he doesn't Apple know tag if, like, it. I was going to say, <laughs> Apple tag. <laughs> but he, I mean, is, he looking, is he looking for a Treyu's body? Because, like, a Treyu fell into the water. He doesn't, he doesn't know where Treyu went. So he's, like, underwater <laughs> looking. It's like a search and recovery mission. Like, what the hell is and what and like you said to your point, like up to this point, that thing has meant nothing. So what? So he lost it. What's the big deal? But like mm. Oscar kind of just explained, kind of more of what it, what it meant, you know. Yeah. Um, but go, going back to the fight with the Gamork, did you guys think it was weird that the wolf didn't know that was a Treyu? Yeah, I did. Yeah, I thought that, that was weird, weird too. Because he, he only saw the back of his head, bro, when he was attacking him. <laughs> but wouldn't he know he's working? He's working <laughs> for the nothing. He's like this badass, like you know, hitman for the nothing. Yeah, didn't he, didn't like the nothing think, give him like a brief with a photo and stuff? I mean, come on. It's like, <laughs> it's like, man, it's like you know what? I, you look familiar. I I try to I've I try to kill a kid there. in swamp like. Two days ago, that's where that this fucking shit. That was you, you know, <laughs> you know what I mean. Did you have a horse think, to drown? Did you have a horse to drown? I think you might be. He was tasty. I ate him. He, he washed up. <laughs> yeah, I just didn't. I didn't get that point. I, 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 I their, their exchange. Like I remember as a kid, that part was scary as shit. Like, oh that yeah, was scary was. as hell as a kid, man. Um, the, the eeriness is still there, even. Oh yeah, yeah. It's oh just, yeah. Oh, and then the, the, the exchange. The exchange, mm-hmm. like. Like the wolf gets pretty deep on some social commentary oh, there about does, you know yeah. hopelessness and everything else. I mean, he gets pretty deep on some social commentary there, but then yeah. it's just so strange when Atreus was like, "Well, I'm Atreus," and the wolf's like, and his eyes are like, "He's <laughs> like, oh shit!" <laughs> like, how do you not know that's the dude? Like the whole world's crumbling, and this guy's like on this quest, and you don't think that's your guy? Yeah. Anyway, I think I think he knew, but I think he was just playing coy. Ooh. I don't know, man. He looked pretty surprised when he said the pretty name. Surprised, man. <laughs> I think that was just puppetry. He just got me <laughs> eyes. I think the guy just <laughs> the put, fucking best puppet. He's like, he lifted the, the eyebrow a little too much. He's like, yeah, the guy that yeah. I work in, Falcor's Falcor's wink eye. He's like, I'm jacked. Let's go. Let's go. <laughs> Come on. No, but he said, he said, the director's like, make his eyes look angry because he knows it's a tray. And he's like, okay. And he does it the opposite way. Like, <laughs> so like what? Oh, that was yeah, you. The- <laughs> Damn, man. Yeah, you know, I think maybe it could be kind of like what we talked about earlier with uh, with the book at the book where he kind of tests, you know, Bastion. Maybe mm-hmm. this was a maybe this was uh, a Treyu's test because I love this is to me. This is where Treyu shines. Like I, 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 I pretty much really, really I liked a Treyu at this point. Because yes, he did. He was buck. He forth. got buck at that moment. He got buck at that moment because yeah. he the ivory tower. He was like, "No, I'm your warrior. You got, if you guys don't need me, I'll just go back to hunting purple buffalo." But then here, you know, like he had an opportunity to basically say, "Like, oh, really? Yeah, I think I saw some kid like go around the corner." But he's like, no, <laughs> like nah, was I'm a tray you, and like he's already like equipped and ready to fight. And I thought to me, if you want to talk about a heroic moment. That's a heroic moment because he understands. He basically says, he goes, if I'm going to die, if everything's falling apart, I'm going to die fighting. Mm-hmm. Most people, in my opinion, and even even contemporary characters, like even contemporary heroic characters, you know, heroic in quote, they'd be like, oh, I don't know if I can do this. I need someone to tell me I can do this. These are new. These yeah. are our new heroes, by the way. These are these, this is what my criticism of like new heroes are. I don't know if I can do this. I'm, I'm going to take, you know, 20 episodes to make sure I can build on my confidence. <laughs> I think that's that's what happens. And so Atreyu, in my in my in my opinion, right like, away, solidif- yeah. solidifies like I'm this is me. I am this person. And 
if you want to fight, I'm right here. So, yeah, he's on the wolf. Come on, wolf. You know, come on, bitch. <laughs> <That's what he's laughs> Pretty <saying>. much. <laughs> and it's a uh, you know as a as a visual, um, you know, again, like we 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 don't get too deep into the way things are done in film, like the effects um, and everything that went into them. But as a visual, Gamork is to me even now it's still astounding. Um, just to see yeah. like a wolf that large would be crazy. I mean, nowadays it, it's almost like a dire wolf from Game of Thrones. Like if you ever watch Game right, of Thrones, yeah. or the it's, gray, it's, yeah, yep. or the gray. the gray, just just something like that. Like that's one of my you know thoughts is just the fear that you face at the end. Yeah. Like you know, this is that uh, fight or flight thing, which uh, Trey yeah. just kind of totally. You know, like you said, you know, says I'm gonna, if I'm gonna die, I'm gonna die fighting, and yeah. Uh, yeah. you know, he guts Gamork and uh, lets him have it, and then and uh, I wish the fight would have lasted a little longer, though. Yeah, <laughs> they would have circled each other. Yeah, they probably didn't have it in the budget, but <laughs> did you like how the little paw flickered a little? When his... <laughs> well, I mean, Look. if Falcor was like how many pounds? Two hundred pounds. Like Gamork, just the head was 200 pounds. Oh my right. gosh. Gamork had to at least be what? 300 pounds. Maybe <laughs> Dude, yeah. that's a heavy puppet. I think it was also to see that you kind of bring to light is the fact that Gamore into like Atreyu pretty much says like, who are you really? And then Gamork mm-hmm. says, I'm like the, what does he say? He pretty much says like, I'm the right hand. Really. Yeah. yeah. Agent, I'm, I'm, uh, agent, I'm the agent. agent. Yeah. 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 I mean, yeah. in my opinion, this is a classic tale of like good and evil. And the way I mm-hmm. see it is, you know, Atreyu is fighting on the good side. The nothing to me is like pure evil. And then you have yeah. Gamork as like uh, kind of an agent in that evil. Um, right. Kind of reminds me of, uh, I don't know if you guys ever heard of the story, uh, C.S. Lewis, uh, the screw tape letters. You guys ever heard that story? No. Uh-uh. It's, it's, a, it's, it's kind of the, it's kind of this idea of like the devil has like a bunch of other minions and the devil's writing to a specific minion, like what to do to, in a sense, put the certain human in temptation. And it's mm-hmm. a, and it's a, it's a, it's letter exchanges. And so that's the first thing I thought. So yeah. I thought like, I thought Gamork was a kind of like a minion of the devil. And then he was, yeah. Mark was just doing all the yeah. dirty work, you know, kind of pushing everything. He's, I mean, the, the description, yeah, the description of it is Gamork explains to, I think, Atreyu that, you know, Fantasia is a representation of the imagination of humanity. Yeah. You know, without boundaries, right? And then the nothing is a manifestation of loss and hope of dreams. Mm-hmm. So, and that's that's what he's he's there to represent. And um, you know, I think Atreyu being, you know, imagined by Bastion, obviously, that's who he is in the story. Yeah. Um, is humanity, and <clears throat> he keeps it going by killing Gamork keeps hope going for uh pretty much you know to get a name again a girl's name for the empress to save fantasia that's right which is uh what is what ends up happening eventually yeah are we coming up to the name part the name are we there yet? <laughs> the real well, yeah because after the name? after he, after he kills gavork right that he jumps on falcor yeah. and they fly through outer space right out, yeah. while all of fantasia is shattered except for Ivory Tower. The Ivory Tower, yeah. The right Ebony right. Tower. <laughs> <laughs> Why do you think that nothing nothing would spare just that one part of Fantasia? 
I mean, it destroyed Detroit. everything else. It destroyed because literally every other part of Fantasia. Equally, yeah, I think it's equally as powerful. Okay. Uh, that's, that's yeah, my... and I think, I think it's part of what Oscar was saying with the Orin. Now that it makes sense, like the nothing needs Fantasia at the same yeah. time. So it's like never ending, a never ending cycle. So it knows it needs to leave that one part. It's almost like the Matrix, right? Where it's uh, the uh, what do they call um, Neo's character? The one. The uh, the one, but like how there's different. There's been different versions of the one. Mm-hmm. So it's the same thing. Like you know, like you yeah. said with the paintings, like you know that it's gonna happen again. Yeah. Um, sometime in that story. So I think that's why the ivory tower is the last thing left. Yeah, for that purpose. And- yeah, and also visually too. I mean, the nothing looks like dark clouds and stormy, and you know, and the tower is always glowing in light. So I just consider yeah. this as like a very classic story of between good yeah. and evil and good light and, evil. and dark. And so you can't have darkness without light, and vice versa, type of thing. And so I think that's why it has to exist. Yeah, yin and yang, man. Um, a balance. So yeah, the name finally comes up, and uh, her name was. Lucille. No, I'm just kidding. I don't know. <laughs> Bastion realizes that this is real, that he, you know, the book is dependent upon him <clears throat> and uh, vice versa. So kind of uh, gets up somehow still at the school after dark. I don't know yeah. how. Um, doesn't want to go home. Just wants to finish the book. And it's storming and raining outside. Uh, coincidental, yeah. I guess. And then he Windows busting open. Yep, <clears throat> and uh, that's where the cliffhanger comes in, right? Because everything just goes dark for a second, and then um, mm-hmm. isn't that when he sees the Empress for the first time? Yeah, is that the first time yeah. we see her? I believe yeah. so. Yeah, I'm like, oh, she's a child. I was like, I had no idea. And that's a tray, you right? Talking mm-hmm. to the Empress. Yep. Uh, yeah. Is it? Yeah. Well, yeah. well right, right. Well, I mean, it, around the same time, you know, right before, like everything's about so, yeah. to get destroyed. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, Atreus talking to the Empress, and she reveals that she knew all along. Yeah, that all she needed was to be called another name, and then the kid bashed it. Cuts to bash, and he goes, "What?" And that was like my exact my exact reaction. I was like, "What? (laughs) Why? (laughs) Then why? Why? Why did he? Why did did you make me go through this? Like, like your your emissary, whatever, could have been like, hey." So whoever's got like a girl's name just come to the front and we can get, get on with this right but they couldn't because they weren't human it has to be a human child so yeah they might know any humans you got any humans yes. let me know <laughs> anyway, it anyway. sounds like futurama <laughs> <It's> like <laughs> <something. Yeah. laughs> uh, anyway yeah yeah and that's when the empress kind of breaks it down and pleads with uh bastion to you know you know what's funny is um what while I told my wife, like, watching, I was like, you know what I always thought? Like, something was, I always thought she had weird teeth. Like, the, the <laughs> Empress? I, I did. When I was a kid, I was like, why do they look weird? And a oh, fucking... Let's go, let's, let's go wait on this child's mouth. Go ahead. It's one right. of the interesting facts, dude, is um, I guess she she had uh, she had lost the first two teeth, like, during filming. Oh, really? So she had to oh, wear really? fake teeth. Yeah, she had to wear, like, oh, flippers. Man. During the shoot, so I'm like, "Oh shit, that makes sense now." <laughs> wow, yeah. I caught that. Look at that now. <clears throat> yeah, dude, I, so I, I noticed it. I, I I don't know why I'm a, a dork like that, but I was like, "Man, her her smile doesn't look right." <laughs> That's so funny. 
fuck your teeth. <laughs> and then, yeah, and then to find out, it was like, okay, she had fake teeth. Okay. So uh, right. I guess okay. I guess she had a lisp, too, for a while until she figured out how mm-hmm. to talk with the flipper in her mouth. So, huh. Or flapper, oh. whatever they call that stuff. No idea. Um, yeah. So pretty crazy. All right. And um, so, yeah, eventually Bastion, what's the name? Moonchild? Yeah. Where did that come from? I mean, is that... Oh, I think that's the one thing that just threw me off the most because I didn't hear it the first time. I was like, wait, what name did he say? And, it, and it's interesting because it doesn't even come out in the sub. No, it doesn't. I'm just like, what? And you were robbed. I was robbed. <laughs> so during this time, though, Bastion's reading is like, my mother had a beautiful name. So it's kind of like mm-hmm. he's finally, you know, coming to grips with it. All. And I think, I think that's kind of what the main theme of the story is coming to grips with loss. And mm. knowing that there's still hope moving forward, which is, I kind of think, what Bastion learns throughout this, mm. you know. Um, and yeah, I guess his mom was a hippie. Her name's Moonchild, maybe. That's yeah. my only guess. That's how, I, that's how I took it. She went to Woodstock <laughs> and she <laughs> right. herself Moonchild? No, yeah, I don't know. That's the one thing. I, I'm sure it probably explains it more in the book, but I was like, really? Moonchild? I was like, okay. Yeah. Voodoo Child would have been cooler. Voodoo Child. <laughs> hoodoo child uh, so <laughs> I, I say hoodoo um is there anything you guys like do you guys think this compares to anything in modern cinema like any movies that you would say like the never-ending story is there any movie that could compare to it like modern contemporary mm-hmm. is there anything like it it's i don't know i would compare it to like it's a mixture of things that Lord of Eve, even Game of Thrones to the dragons, uh, but not fully one to one or very close to anything. Mm. Yeah, it's maybe like Harry Potter because it's kind of like a kid mm. finding himself after right. being. Like said, you know there's a mean? bunch of elements from movies of today that fit with it, yeah. but not just one movie. I think you know. Yeah, mm. yeah. I, w- I was thinking. Um, oh man, what was the name? Of- yeah, I was thinking Lord of the Rings as well. Just on the on the idea of just how epic. It is, the and how somebody, and that, yeah, yeah, the quest yeah, and so forth. Um, mm-hmm. But one thing came up too was uh, Pan's Labyrinth, maybe, just like the, oh, the fantasy okay. element of it. Like, yeah, there's a lot going on there too. So <clears throat> that's a good one, man. Pan's Labyrinth. So, is there anything you guys remember from your childhood like that was like this or similar to it? I think of Crawl. Wow, for real. Yeah, I remember like this and Crawler are like two most like fantastical type of films that I can remember mm. from my childhood. Yeah, I watch Crawl again. I always <laughs> associate I always associate this movie like when I think about this movie, I, and it's not that they're like necessarily like the same movies or whatever, but it had like the same feel to me mm-hmm. when I was a kid. Was <laughs> Clash of the Titans mm-hmm. um, and Dark Crystal. I don't, I don't know if it's because of the poetry and stuff. I don't know. But those mm-hmm. movies, like, that's just kind of... I always think of these all being, like, grouped in the same yeah. thing. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. I can see that. Yeah. Especially with the puppetry. Yeah, I, I honestly... Exactly. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I think, I think I'm more in line with, like, the Dark Crystal just because of the puppetry stuff. Yeah. yeah. I, I think, um, like, Labyrinth and um, Return to Oz, they're also mm-hmm. similar. They have that dark feel that this film does. Mm-hmm. Um those are a couple sure. films. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, and I think Harry Potter definitely has some of that too. The, 
the child kind of realizing and going through a lot of <clears throat> trepidation <laughs> in his yeah. life. Yeah. So that's that's something more contemporary, maybe. I mean, even though it's a couple years old now. Um, that this is the last thing I'll say. If there was a director now to remake this film, ooh, who would you choose to remake it? Uh, I got Man. my pick. I got my pick. Uh, Guillermo del Toro. It's uh, a good one. It's actually really I, good. Yeah, it's actually a really good choice. I'd say Peter Jackson, just because I think he could handle the epicness of it. Yeah, I thought of that too. Yeah. yeah. I'm going to go ahead and say uh, Steven Spielberg. I know he had a little bit of a hand in it, but I think what he's done with Hook and just like the visuals there, and also too, like you look at something like Jurassic Park, um, it'd be really interesting to see how he handles the darker themes. But yeah, I would, mm-hmm. I, I would have to say Steven Spielberg for sure. Nice. Uh, I got to go with Guillermo too, man. On this one. Yeah. That's a really good, just, that's a solid choice too. It's like seeing what he did with Hellboy too and creating that whole world of like trolls and stuff like that. Yeah. And um, Pants Labyrinth too. I think he, yeah. he would do great with it. Um, <clears throat> the fantastical elements. Yeah, for sure. Well, I was going to say, what'd you guys think of like uh, Bastion and his wishes and like him writing on Falcor? Oh, yeah. I got, I got <laughs> hey, this written down here. If you get a wish, <laughs> listen, if this whole movie is about how this kid's sad because his mom died, don't you think one of his wishes would be, let me see my mom again? That'd be, yeah. that's my big wish number one. Like, well, I want to see my mom again. Yeah. Yeah. Instead, yeah. he goes on that's a, a point. damn joy, joyride of Falcor and then he goes and bullies his bullies. <laughs> There's, there's not, there's, yeah, no, I agree. I mean, I was, t- to be honest, like this, when that mm. happened, it kind of took like one notch down away from the fantasy element because I really loved the world of Fantasia. Yeah. And yeah. How we were introduced to it and how we kind of were a little bit of an outsider. But once Bastion kind of crossed the lines, even though he's in a sense kind of like the, not the creator of the story, but just kind of bringing it to life because of the book, it did right. kind of take a little bit of, of that fantasy element away. Um, I do agree. I it, it's I never thought of it too. Why didn't he wish for his mom to be alive? Um, yeah, yeah. So scar yeah. children everywhere. That's why. Because <laughs> why? I said because it was scar children everywhere. They're not. They don't want to give children the hope. Of, oh, after. Oh yeah, yeah. Can I, can no, I see my mom true. again? Yeah, no. Yeah, no, that's actually that's a good point. <laughs> but I'm reading the wrong <laughs> books. <laughs> Read different books. Read different books. I yeah. I agree though with you, Kyle. I think honestly, yeah, that would be your first wish if it was real. Of course. Yeah. Um, yeah. yeah. No, I, I yeah, agree. I, yeah, I, I agree. Oh, go ahead. Go ahead. <clears throat> no, no. I, I was gonna say I agree with Oscar too about that element of fantasy kind of does go away a little bit when he you see yeah. him down yeah, going down the street going down the street oh, fucking yeah. falcor down the alley yeah yeah <laughs> you know it's funny on family guy when they make fun of that and and peter griffin's riding falcor and he's like yeah <laughs> yeah <laughs> i don't even remember that it's so funny that. Oh, I remember that. Uh, it's just part of pop culture man that you know falcor's yeah you know he yeah is. he's he is. did well, any of you see the sequels no, no uh, I didn't even know there were sequels. I saw the second one. I remember seeing the second one because it was hyped. I remember even yeah. as a kid, I told my wife, I was like, yo, I remember the trailers for that joint on wow. TV. Did that go on the 90s? The second one came out in 90. Yeah, it was the 90s. It was in 92 or 94. 
I couldn't remember if it was like uh, late 80s or 90s. Or no, it was yeah, years it was 90s. Later. Yeah, yeah it was I didn't know there was a part three until uh, until we started watching it. You know. Yeah, I didn't know there was a part three. Parts. Yeah, but that's a like interesting fact is like they only use like half of the book I think for the first movie. They didn't even use. Wow. The yeah, there's a lot of stuff that's like missing or it could be missing yeah. Yeah. I, I think what yeah. was cool about the wishes was the fact that like he in a sense rebuilds Fantasia and he knights yeah. everyone again right. like Atreyu and uh, Artax oh, are back together and then yeah. all the, the rock people the rock the, the you know the rock and his the friends and the snails yeah and so there's yeah. this sense of rebirth in a way which is like really cool to see um, so I thought that was like really, really neat. Yeah. <clears throat> Especially in like, you know, losing our tax like that. So, so then what yeah, do you guys think? Like that, what, do, what do you think the ending says about what the book is? Like, do you guys think <clears throat> that's the, based on that ending? I was like, okay, so is this book like, like we had talked about earlier, we talked about when he first gets to the bookshop, is it like literally where like the, the text on the pages changes based on who's holding it? Right. Or, or is it just a set story that whoever reads it is going to go through it? Like that's what I was. Let's do. I could. In my mind, it has to be like contingent upon who's holding it. Like yes. in my mind, yeah, I think it changes. Yeah. That's that's what I would think. It's be, like because, choose your own adventure with the but the same characters are in there. Yeah, and I think yeah, it goes back to like the the scientist guy when you it's the third, it's the second oracle. He's like, hey, this is the toughest one because this is who you see. This is what, when you see this person across from you, that's who you really are, you know, type of thing. Mm-hmm. And that is a very personal moment for every single individual. Like nobody yeah. would get the same result. Mm-hmm. So I think it's, it's, a, it's a quest to like challenge that and to find that out. And so, yeah, I think it is dependent on the person mm-hmm. reading the story. Yeah. It's pretty dope. Let's, uh, let's make it, man. Let's make a never ending story. <laughs> would you is this one you would like to see, actually see remade i would i i i and i know it's never going to happen but <clears throat> i would love to um it's, I would it's be been tried to be done in the yeah, right hands yeah. i think in 2012 kathleen kennedy was trying to get it remade but like oh, really? there's yeah the the author's family has got it on lock because he hated the he hated the first movie so much yeah like with the passion so they're very guarded of it, but hey, man. I mean, you never know. so was uh, so was Tolkien's family, and now they're making a series on Amazon again, yeah. Lord of the Rings. So. Yeah, so I said it might, might work better as a, as a series or something. Maybe. No, I was gonna say like you. That's the thing. Like what we saw and what we liked um, from that original version. Like I don't think it'll be similar to it, right? So like the it remake. I don't know if you guys saw it or not, but mm-mm. yeah. It's more like the book, nope. I guess, than <laughs> more like the book than what the TV version, the TV movie was. So oh, okay. I think that that might be what would happen if they were to reimagine or remake the Neverending Story. Yeah, I think it would probably have more elements. I think they would book. have to do that. Yeah. When you guys saw the sequel, is the sequel like a continuation of the actual book itself? Do you know, or is it just like a total like they just went with the movie and uh, ran? It, I thought, yeah. Like you're saying, the move. This movie is only half of the book. That right. I think it's half. I think it's they pulled more stuff from the book using the same character, Bastion. Okay, gotcha. Okay. gotcha. Yeah. <clears throat> so and and I think that act, that child actor at the time was Jonathan Brandis. Taylor Thomas. Pretty popular. 
Now he was like he came out in Ladybugs and Sidekicks, and he was coming out in movies in the nineties, and he uh, did that sequel. Barrett mm-hmm. Oliver is what they say his name. Is that dude that uh, Barrett Oliver is the first oh. in the first movie. The sequel is a different. Oh, the second. Oh, gotcha, gotcha, gotcha. Yeah. Okay. What were you gonna say, Ever? Was that the dude that uh, killed himself? Yeah. Yeah. Right. Oh man. Tough Crazy. times in Hollywood. Um, so, a couple interesting facts I'll say real quick, unless you guys got any more thoughts on uh, the never-ending story. Um, <laughs> so, like Falcor, like I said, it was forty-three foot long luck dragon, um, and he was made Love from like dragon? airplane airplane steel. Isn't that crazy? Damn. Wow. Okay. Yeah. 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 He had to be aerodynamic. That's why, right? <laughs> aerodynamic. He took it seriously. <laughs> uh, pretty good company. <laughs> uh, and, yeah, dude. It took, <laughs> it took a ton of people to operate him, obviously. Um, but I guess there was two different models constructed. The first one was by uh, Giuseppe Totoro. And that first one, I don't think it, I don't know if that's the one they actually used in the movie, but that was the one that, you know, was made with airplane steel. Um, but yeah, like Kyle was saying, this was like the most expensive movie ever made in Europe at the time, 1984. And then mm-hmm. specifically, I think in Germany, it was like 60 million marks, which is like $27 million at the time. So they said, like, if you round that up for inflation nowadays, yes. it's been like a $100 million movie or something. Wow. That's insane. Okay. Yeah. I mean, they made a hundred million bucks at the box office in the 80s. So yes. that's pretty good. That's what's up a lot of money um me like as a kid i always thought i don't know why i always thought this was in new york you know the scenes that they filmed when oh they were right running, yeah yeah like, yeah the bookstore and, and streets yeah but, i would get that feel but it's uh it was actually filmed in vancouver in uh, canada <laughs> man canada just vancouver making a mark yeah man <laughs> vancouver got so me. i feel like i'm pretty good at finding when i feel like something feels like canada but yeah that one when i was a kid i didn't did not think uh, <laughs> that's so funny um like uh, we were saying like steven spielberg did some of the editing uh for the film yeah because um, wolfgang pearson like he was such a perfectionist that it ended up taking like a year to film the movie like that scene in the swamp of sadness took like almost two months what? just for like yeah i mean like it took seven weeks to train the horse so Oh, and, that would be like uh, the madness, my ass. <laughs> this, yeah, dude. So it took like two months, and they were like, "That mud is actually like tar and water that's in there." Wow. So wow. So I look so black. Um, like the devil's yeah, it, eyes. Devil's eyes. <laughs> but yeah, d- it, dude, it's crazy. Like um, how much went into making that film, and all of it. The majority of the film was so- like shot on a soundstage. Majority of it. So Real? it's like no locations. Yeah. So that's amazing. Only like the couple things that were, you know, done in, you know, the streets of Vancouver and stuff like that. And some, um, I think there were some shots in Germany. Um, but yeah, I think the school was in Germany uh, that like where they're actually upstairs. Oh, and yeah. Stuff yeah. Like that. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I, that shit was mind blowing to me because <laughs> just seeing like all the effects work that went into that movie, like to know that it was done in the soundstage is crazy. Yep. for that time yeah. i just wonder there must have been mad paintings in that place <laughs> yeah. for the backgrounds yeah. like gigantic ass paintings and stuff yeah. back then that's true so, man. <clears throat> um but yeah i i can't recommend this movie enough and i honestly 
if there was one thing I would like to see remade, I would like to see this movie remade for sure. Oh. Yeah. I think I, I agree with Caesar. I think it would be interesting just to kind of see how they handled like the darker tones of this movie. Cause there, this movie is to me dark. like yeah. it's dark. It is a dark film. Um, mm-hmm. And so, yeah, but uh, so I, I'm with, I mean, if, Hey, you want to start a capital, you want to start a capital fund for this movie? You want to start <laughs> people out in LA? Right? Let's, let's get it. <laughs> let's make it happen. <laughs> let's write some letters to the family, you know? Uh, let's invite yeah. them to the podcast. Let's be like, yo, let's right. <laughs> give us some insight about this. You know, uh, my question. A, yeah. Oh, go ahead. Yeah, go ahead. Oh, okay. no, I was gonna oh. say the the last the last interesting fact, real quick. Is yeah, that yeah. The book itself still exists from the movie. The prop. Oh, the prop. So oh, nice. supposedly on uh, eBay, like back in 2012, it was supposedly. on sale for so COVID, <laughs> so like 75 grand, <laughs> and then again in 2015 for like 28 thousand dollars. Yeah. And. Oh. uh the guy who owns the book actually tracked down Noah Hathaway, who's the guy that plays Atreyu in the movie, mm-hmm. to pose with the book. What? what? That's wild. Yeah, to show that it's real, supposedly. So. Okay. <clears throat> okay. All right. I mean, I mean, I went to graphic design school, so I mean, I can easily make movie props. It's not a big deal. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> I'll make my own version of it. <laughs> It'll be uh-huh. like that episode of Big Bang Theory where they find the ring supposedly <laughs> at a garage sale. <laughs> the Lord of the Rings, they, oh, they supposedly like- <laughs> they find the ring, <laughs> the one ring, and then they the don't one. like they all they all start fighting over it and shit. Oh, that's so funny. Oh. Yeah, <laughs> I, I was just are you. Um, any more fun facts? No, that's it. No, that's it. I was I was gonna say since you started off with like, hey, do you recommend this movie? Now after we've gone through this, I mean, maybe set some light on this movie does does kyle and Ephraim feel the same way like would you recommend this movie like do you recommend this movie do you still stand with your initial response or have you changed you have a little bit of change of heart now having more of a like hearing other people's thoughts and theories about it gives more to it you know yeah so mm-hmm. i was yeah i think i'd probably say give it a watch the effects are you know nowadays cheesy obviously but just sure. look beyond that and think of what they're talking about a lot yeah Okay. Listen, okay. Nice. I, I would say that I stand by my previous comment. <laughs> if you if you watch this as a child and you have not seen it as an adult, just hold that memory of how good it was. Just hold that near and dear to yourself, and don't don't kill it by watching this movie. If you've never seen this movie before and you've always heard about it, especially if you're like a younger person and you've heard these thirty something year olds, forty something year olds talk about this movie before, and you want to know what it's all about, yeah, give it a watch and might be disappointed you might like it i don't know but yeah don't if you if if you fondly recall watching this movie as a child i would skip a rewatch i just okay. would i mean, listen i was just it's curious not, it's not a terrible movie it's not no, 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 no. it's not the worst That's thing but uh, yeah it's all right it's nostalgic okay. i'll say that it is it is a very nostalgic yeah, yeah, for movie sure. um but to me the memory of the movie is more nostalgic than the actual movie was because there's so much about this movie that i don't remember yeah, same um, here. Same here. but yeah. anyway, yeah. Okay, I was okay. curious. I was curious. Nice, <laughs> cool. All right, man. Well, I think that's uh, the end of this story about the never-ending story. That's right. <laughs> but uh, yeah, guys, this was awesome as always. And uh, yeah, tune in next time for another episode of the No One Fifteen All Cats. All right, peace. And that does it for the never-ending episode (laughs) of Volume 4 of the Fantasy Series. Again, thank you guys for listening, and uh, tune in next time as we always have more content coming at you. 
As always, this is 7C saying peace out and God bless. the boundaries of Fantasia. Do you know where they are? I have no idea. <laughs> then how do we find a human child? With luck. <laughs> faster, Falcor, faster! We have to hurry! All right, hang on tight! <laughs>